the yoni work and the womb work goes really, really hand in hand because the womb and the yoni kind of like simultaneously dance together in their energetic field. So we see a lot of women who have this armor within the yoni also have like PCOS and um, endometriosis and, you know, infertility issues or really really like hard bleeds and like all of these things, right? So there's physical manifestations of this disconnect that we have with our own bodies and the most sacred parts of our bodies. Hello, my love, and welcome to the Boldly Courageous podcast. My name is Melissa Martin. I am a business and embodiment coach and creator of the Boldly Courageous community. Just like you, I've walked through some dark seasons in life and I know what it's like to start over again and write a new story. This podcast is here to activate you, to show you what's possible when you embody your power and walk with courage and fear in the pursuit of what sets your soul on fire. Each week, you will hear authentic conversations with thought leaders and visionaries as we dive deep into topics such as spirituality, business, money, relationships, sexuality, and so much more so that you can fully embody your boldly courageous self. Are you ready? Let's drop in. Hey, real quick before we dive into the episode, I need to let you know about something really, really special to me. So if you're anything like me and you've had this calling on your heart to start a podcast, but you have no idea where to start, I want to introduce you to the incredible team that I have worked with literally from day one of launching Boldly Courageous over at Podcast & Co. They have just released a self-paced course called Launch Your Fucking Podcast. This program will literally take you through step by step of launching your podcast from start to finish. You will learn everything about how to create and find the foundation and mission of your podcast, how to come up with the perfect name, get super clear on your audience and the structure of your show. Also, you will learn how to record, how to produce, how to edit, and also hosting, music, creating the perfect cover, and building a successful launch strategy. Basically, by the end of the program, you will have launched a podcast that feels authentic and expansive to you, labeling you as the expert that is ready to impact and grow your audience in whatever phase of life they may be at. So all you have to do is go to the link in the show notes, use code boldly courageous at checkout, and you will get $100 off the launch your fucking podcast course. So now let's jump into the episode. Welcome back to the Boldly Courageous podcast. My guest today is Lauren Valdez, Lauren Megan Coaching. This conversation, I, I, I know I say this <laughs> on a lot of my on a lot of my podcasts, but really truly is one of my most favorite because we go so deep on sexuality, on being guarded as a woman, tapping into pleasure. We talk about healing the motherhood wound, the sisterhood wound. We talk about generational patterns. We talk about pleasure and relationships and somatic healing. Like this conversation is going to give you so much permission as a woman to really tap into your body 
and your awareness and your power, like the true power of the feminine, your divinity. So I'm going to leave it at that. I'm going to introduce Lauren and just let you experience the magic of this conversation. Lauren is a mother. She is a somatic trauma healer. She is a pleasure coach and priestess. And Lauren heals and initiates women into the spectrum of divine feminine by connecting them back to their roots, to their womb, and to their heart. Her mission is to help women heal, unravel, and decondition from the beliefs and generational traumas that keep them from leading from their desire, expressing their wild feminine, and receiving the wealth legacy and intimacy they crave. Let's get into my conversation with Lauren. Lauren, welcome to the Boldly Courageous podcast. It's such an honor to have you and your radiance here. And the thing that I love the most about you is your like your presence truly, like, I think I've messaged you before. I'm like, this triggers me. <laughs> like you're triggering me, which means I need to do this work. You are a fiercely divine feminine power. And I say fiercely because um, the way that I receive you is you're so incredibly soft that it is fierce. And I think a lot of women have a hard time embracing the softness of their femininity. And when they do that, it comes out as this like deeply um, embodied sexuality that doesn't come from a place of like, look at me, it's more of here I am. And that's kind of the way I receive you. And so it's so beautiful. And I'm just honored to have you here and to be talking about this more with our, with our listeners. I'm receiving that fully. And it's really a gift to receive that from you. Um, cause I always giggle about the first time that I met you was I was like two, I think maybe two months postpartum and not in the space that I'm in right now and just not in the level of embodiment. And, you know, I think my softness has always been my gift. Um, but for so long, I thought it was such a weakness. And I thought that, you know, it meant people had to, or were going to manipulate me or walk all over me, or, you know, I thought I would lose my power and my softness. And what I found is that, you know, my power has been activated through slowing down a bit and being this it's such like an energetic experience that it, it's so hard sometimes to put into words because it took so much work for me to de-armor my body and for me to let my guard down and for me to stop feeling as though I had to fight for everything mm -hmm. and I got to this space where I was just like there's nothing to fight for like I just get to be who I am and I get to receive and I get to walk in a way where it's exactly that. Like I, I think sometimes I trigger women. I don't like to like hold, hold myself in that. Um, but I know I do. Um, but I always see it as like this beautiful invitation for other women to journey this path with me of, I just, I wasn't always this way. And it's cool to kind of have our relationship because you know, we've kind of been watching and we've had moments where like, I mean, we'll go like a year without talking or, but we're always like watching each other. And I've always felt your presence of celebration in my life and same for you. And it's, 
um, always cool to kind of see someone who saw me in the very beginning, like the birthing of my company <laughs> and to see me now and just, um, yeah, yeah, it's just really beautiful. So mm. I'm so excited to be here and see where this conversation flows. Yes, there's a lot that I want to unpack because you shared a lot of things that I think a lot of women are probably going, I'm in that place right now, the place where you were and, and talking about this idea of de-armoring and not having to force things and, you know, control things. And, you know, so I think that it's important that we have these conversations and um, that women set the example, like you uh, trigger me in the most positive ways. Cause I'm like, wow, this, there's something within that, that doesn't feel safe for me, but I know that that means that that's a doorway and a, a place that I, I get to go. So, so with that being said, what is one boldly courageous thing you've done recently? <sighs> recently, um, you know, I think it's getting back together with my ex and you know, he was my partner for 10 years and we took a year apart and he's the father of my daughter. And, um, we've been back together now for about six months. And, you know, in the year where we weren't together, I think that was the year, like I, I was just on a call with someone and I basically told her, like, I explored my body within that year. And he had said something to me that like really kind of, like struck me and he, and I'll never forget it. He said, I know your body better than you know your body. And I don't think he meant it from like this negative space. I think it was just, you know, our intimacy. I, in our intimacy prior, like I was so constricted and I would contract and I would, it was so hard for me to let go. And so I took a year and I (laughs) learned my body and I, learned what felt good and didn't feel good. And I really went through that de-armoring journey and it was so raw. And I mean, it ripped me open. And when we decided to get back together, I really had to hold myself and a lot of my expectations and boundaries. And I set some really clear expectations with him without knowing if he would deliver on them. And I'm witnessing right now the delivery and I'm also watching Elliot, my daughter witness, you know, my daughter, but my daughter, for those of you that don't know, she's three, she's wild, but I, it's really beautiful because she's witnessing a healthy, loving relationship and an open relationship. Um, but it was a risk like that. That was something that like took a lot of courage, um, for me to step back into relationship and for me to hold myself in the boundaries and expectations. And there's been so much that's kind of rippled from that one decision. Mm Um, yeah. So I think that's it. Yeah. So if you're open to it, I'd love to know what were some of the boundaries and expectations that you had to set. And as you've set those and you've been back together for six months, have you had to reinforce those? Like, have there been moments where you find that you're wavering on that? And how do you, how do you navigate that? Yeah. So the biggest one was for us to go to therapy together as a couple, because I didn't want to repeat the same patterns. And, you know, being in this world, I think we know how important it is to heal ourselves and to look at our shadows and our triggers and, 
inner child and all of those things. So we went to couples therapy and, you know, then I basically left his healing journey up to him. And my expectation was, you know, find a coach, find a therapist. I'm open to it, but couples therapy for me was really surface level. I had already done like so much work where, you know, we had the conversation and we both agreed it was for him to, you know, do the work himself. So he kind of went slow and there was like a month gap and I didn't force him. Like I wasn't nagging, but I, I clearly stated, I was like, listen, I set this expectation for you. And, you know, this is what I desire. There's still ways in which I don't fully feel seen by you. And I think it's because you can't see yourself and I can't coach you. And I refuse to coach you in our relationship. I think that that crosses a really big boundary. Um, so he's not on social media. Like he's so outside of this world. (laughs) Um, and I started following like a bunch of like men's coaches and I just like kind of put feelers out. And then I found one and made sure that he had openings. So I DM'd him and Justin got on a call with him and they've been coaching together for like a month and a half now. Um, And it's really cool to kind of see the results of that because I'm like, oh my gosh, you get it now. (laughs) Like you get it. Um, So I think that was the biggest thing is I had this expectation for him to just do the work. Um, And... Yeah, there's some aspects in which I have to ensure that my voice isn't lost in the relationship because that was something that I had witnessed from my mother where her voice got lost in her marriage with my dad. Um, And I witnessed that and I saw myself before we had left, you know, separated, I saw myself kind of reverting back to that where I wouldn't bring up things that upset me or made me feel unsafe or out of body or that were bothering me. And I do now I'm like really open of like, Hey, I didn't really like the way that you spoke to me. This is how it made me feel. And it's interesting because I can witness him. And, and I think it's my delivery where it's not like, don't speak to, you know, it's not like it's soft. It, it's mm-hmm. just like what you said at the beginning. It's like this soft invitation of that made me feel a certain way. And I don't like feeling that way. When you speak to me that way, I actually feel really unsafe in your presence. And I, I don't appreciate that. And then what I've noticed is he's really quick to readjust and um, to apologize. And that was something that Justin never did. <laughs> was, oh. there was, yeah. So, you know, when it's constant work and it's just really open communication and Another aspect is like we bring that into the bedroom together where I'm like constantly kind of, you know, letting him know like this is what feels good. This is what doesn't feel good. This is what I'm like in the mood for when I'm not in the mood because it changes all the time, all the time. Right. So, um, yeah, it's been it's been really beautiful. But it, it's my you know, I always tell my clients it's like feminine leadership is not about us being forceful and dominant, it's really about us knowing our boundaries and our expectations and what we're available for and inviting the people in our lives to either enter that world or not enter that world with us. And, you know, I did the same thing with my mom and my mom's 60. She'll be 61 this year. And for the first time ever, she has a therapist 
And this woman, I never thought in a million years would ever, like she thinks what I do is crazy, but she sent me the sweetest texts last week. She's like, I saw your Facebook post and you just look so beautiful. And I loved your message. And I'm like, <laughs> and it's like unknowing pleasure as a woman. And um, yeah, it's just, it's so amazing. Like what happens as women when we step into this space and we don't like force people to, to like shift or stop being who they are. It's like, we become more authentically who we are. And by proxy, people around us just start to navigate. And the ones that don't, the ones that don't kind of move with us, they fall away in a really beautiful way, you know, so. Mm, I'm hearing like generation, you're, you're shifting lineage, like, you know, you have your mom on one end, and now your daughter on the other. And it's like, you are the, the, the nucleus of that, of you doing your work to heal within your own sexuality and your feminine core, and navigating that with your partner. It's like creating this, this ripple effect, which I think is really like, obviously you start with yourself, like I'm here to heal myself, but the ripple effect of that becomes so much bigger than, than who we are. Right. It, it's bi-directional, multi-directional. Yeah. And that's exactly what like the womb and the yoni work does is it heals the seven generations, although they might not be presently here before us and after us. And, you know, we're in a time where the world feels pretty chaotic, I think, for a lot of people. And um, I think that this is how the paradigm shifts and the storyline shifts is through our own healing work. You know, Elliot will never see a mother that self-sacrifices. She'll never see a mother out of her power. She might see me on our good days and she might see me in real human emotions, but she will always receive the best version of me. And my intention, I mean, she's only three, but I can even see it now just compared to, you know, other kids her age. Like she's a really confident kid and um, she has such a beautiful, like bold personality. And I think, you know, it's a reflection of a lot of the work that I do and, yeah, it's so cool to see because that's something a lot of clients come to me with. They're like, you know, I, I do a lot of work with healing the mother womb because it's so directly connected to pleasure and sexuality. And I've had a handful of clients where they like have noticed just not by like going up to mom and be like, we need to fix our relationship. But it's just like they can be in presence with their mothers without it being so triggering. <laughs> And their mothers begin to soften. <laughs> and they're like, what is happening? I'm like, I don't know. It's just the work. It's just what happens. Because it's, it's embedded in us. You know, it's like our coding begins to shift. And it's really beautiful. Okay. So I want to go into all of these things. So I want to talk <laughs> about the motherhood wound because that's a big one. And yeah. you talked about the connection with the womb and the yoni and healing seven generations. I want to talk about that. But the first thing I want to I want to dive into, as you, you mentioned in the, in the beginning was de-armoring this idea of, of de-armoring and really softening in. So can you um, really explain or share from your perspective, what an armored woman, how she presents herself, like, what does it mean to be an armored woman in today's world? And what does that de-armoring process like look like? And why is that an important step for us to kind of walk into? Physically, energetically, emotionally, 
uh, an armored woman is closed off. She's constricted. There's lack of fluidity within the body. And it looks like it manifests as always feeling as though you, just like I stated before, always feeling as though you have to defend yourself, fight for yourself. There's a lot of suppressed rage in armored women. There's a lot of suppressed emotions in general in armored women. And, you know, I'll actually say there, there's that aspect where it's like really forceful and just like, like, the shoulders hunch forward and it, it's just closed off. When you go into sexual intimacy, the yoni begins to close off and will like literally constrict. Mm. Um, and then there's also the other aspect that we see a lot in this work is the woman who's just really, really meek. So she's kind of like shield, shielded herself off from the world because to speak her truth or to stand for what she believes in or to express herself is just too terrifying. So she's created this shield around her where again, it's like she makes herself like really, really small. She constructs. And so the construction is a big part. And how do we, you know, get the armor? There's so many ways, you know, a lot of it is, you know, it starts, I think in gestation in the womb space uh, it starts a lot with our mother's lineage and our mother's line. Um, and then it just kind of begins to build from the time we are birthed. So our birth story is pretty important in this work to understand how we came into this world and what that nurturance looked like for us. Um, you know, what was feeding like? Were we given enough nutrients? Were we breastfed? Um, what did formula feeding look like? Did we feel satisfied? Like all of those things are kind of playing into our safety and survival, right? So then it's like, okay, the next level and it moves through the chakra. So everything that I do is based off of the chakra system, but it's not just, you know, the chakras and like this energetic aspect. It's also the psychology of how the chakras are developed. So our sacral is all about self-exploration. So what was it like for us to explore? And I always use the example of, you know, when you went into the kitchen and you were opening cabinets and you were, you know, wanting to play with pots and pans, were you shut down? Were you told no? Or was that something that was open and it was safe and, you know, um, all of those things. So we go through the chakras and we begin to explore, like, where were the pieces in which you didn't feel safe to self-express, to explore, to own your power, your conviction? Elliot's three, she has a very strong no and a very strong yes, right? And it takes a lot to hold that. But those are the, the storylines that we have to not attach ourselves to, but just begin to really navigate within the body. And that's what starts to help us understand like, okay, these are the armor points. These are the shields. These are the spaces of numbness. And then we go into, you know, a lot of women that I work with have been sexually abused, sexually assaulted, um, maybe just have, you know, put their bodies out there in ways in which to receive love mm -hmm. or validation, right? So if we weren't met in certain circumstances or our boundaries were invaded and penetrated upon without a full body, yes, 
we create armor in the body. A lot of, you know, religious trauma will create an armor in the body. So there's all these different aspects that we have to begin to look like or to look into. And again, it's not so much, you know, focusing on the storylines. It's just like, what was the felt experience? What was the missed experience there? And how can we begin to heal that and alchemize it? Um, so that's what de-armoring is. De-armoring is the somatic experiencing of re-establishing connection with the body. And you know, feeling the spaces that feel numb, feeling the spaces that feel nothingness, feeling the spaces that feel constricted and contracted and being with those spaces and then slowly, very, very slowly allowing them to open and to soften. So that's the practice of the armoring. Um, I love to use the hands, the fingers, in my practice, we do a lot of work in de-armoring the breast because we hold a lot, especially as women, um, in the breast. And, you know, we hold a lot in our yoni gates. Um, and that's a really powerful practice going into the yoni and not for the sake of self-pleasure, but more for the sake of exploration and just seeing what's there and what's alive for you. So, yeah, that's, that's the practice of kind of removing some of these shields and why these shields are built. And um, it's really amazing, like what happens, like it sounds really deep and intense and it is at times. Um, but I will say, I think one of my gifts is the home. I have my cancers and what is it? Oh my gosh, my cancer. My uh, rising is cancer. So I have this beautiful gift, I think of just like, creating home for women where mm. the practice doesn't feel so heavy. Cause I do work with a lot of high level entrepreneurs and that's the biggest fear that I hear is being terrified to go deep into this work, knowing that the work is needed, but feeling terrified because they're like, yeah, but I don't want my business to fall apart. I don't want my life to fall apart. I don't want things to, you know, go to shambles. And, um, I think the biggest thing is creating safety first with the practitioner so that you can, you know, unravel, but make it feel whole and safe and also like kind of playful and nourishing. It's like it, it, it's deep work. And also there's so much light on the other side. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Thank you so much for just your, your words are so eloquent. And I, I feel like I went on a journey in that description. And like, I could, I could feel myself like going through that de-armoring process. And I almost had a visual of like getting a massage and someone working through the layers of like a knot that you have. And eventually by the end, it's like moving and supple and like you feel a release and then there's pleasure on the other side of that. Um, so thank you for, for really like walking us through that process. And you talked about this idea of um, like the out, the outer environment. And I know when I went through this process, like I started to, in every single relationship that I had had, I reached a point where like sexually I would shut off. Like I would actually just numb out. Like I wouldn't feel anything. I wasn't attracted to my partner and I thought there was something wrong with me. Like I had my thyroid checked. I thought there was like something wrong with my hormone levels, but no, it was because I was just not being turned on properly or I wasn't connected with my partner. And I remember in my marriage feeling those same things. And the biggest fear that I had about hiring a coach or doing the somatic work, like I knew that I had to do it 
was, would everything else out here be okay? Because I had put myself in a relationship and in a situation to be the caretaker of everything of that, like codependent, like, what is my worth if I'm not taking care of everything? And like this idea that I had to let go of my partner's sexual, like I had to let go of my responsibility to please another person that if I didn't want to have sex, I didn't have to. And so can you maybe talk a little bit about that? Because I know that there are a lot of women that probably are listening that are married and feel like because they're married, they're obligated to always say yes. So how do you navigate that self-sovereignty and the healing process in the con in the confines of a relationship where consent is just kind of assumed, but it's not assumed. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, well, I think the first thing is feeling safe. So a lot of times when we shut down as women in sexual partnership is because we don't fully feel safe with our partner. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the first thing, and this is kind of like where the radical honesty comes into play is do we feel safe enough to have a conversation with our partner around what we need um, in intimacy and in relationship? And if we don't feel safe, then who can we bring in to help create the safety net for us? Um, And that can be like a a practitioner, a therapist, a coach, right? Someone who can really support that conversation. Um, Because, you know, I think that there's a big fear, especially in this situation, there's a fear of disappointment. Yes. Oh, yes. The fear of what is he going to think? And then I love the masculine but there is the male ego (laughs) and uh, the male ego is kind of brought on by a lot of society standards. And we have to be really mindful of that because um, our, and I'm just going to speak to feminine masculine relationships. If you're in a same sex relationship or non-binary, there's still the energetic dynamics. That's how we create polarity in relationships. So Um, you can assess it in that way, but how do we speak to our man in a way where he can hear and receive us? And if we can't, then there's the deeper conversation and then there's the deeper level of healing and relationship. Right. Um, you know, I always say to my clients, if we're 99% in, and there's 1% of us that doesn't want it, we do it anyway, we're abandoning ourselves and our own needs and our desires, So I think having the conversation before actually engaging in sex is the baseline and how that conversation goes. I think it's going to direct you into the next step. If the conversation goes really well, then I think it's okay. What is going to help you feel safe in sex? Mm -hmm. What is going to help you soften in sex? Is it more foreplay? Is it more intimacy? Is it more open communication and conversation? Is it flirting? Is it like what actually turns you on Mm. and allowing that to be like a really playful experience? You know, I really love buildup before sex. Like I, my favorite thing in the world is, you know, I can be cooking dinner and Justin come home. And like, my favorite thing in the world is like when he touches my butt or like gives me a hug or like pulls me close to him. And it's like this buildup and there's a knowing because we have a three-year-old that can't go anywhere. Right. We have to be parents, but it's like this magnetic 
desire that we both have. And then there's the like anticipation of when it's going to happen and when it's going to get, and sometimes it takes a few days. Sometimes it's that night. Sometimes it's the next morning. But for me, that's always been really important. I love the buildup right before sex. So I think it's really, and this is where self-pleasure comes in. Right. And I think a lot of women don't take the time to explore what they actually desire and what actually turns them on. Mm-hmm. And we actually need a lot of time as women to be turned on and to get wet and like really supple and just to feel safe. Um, so, so those would be like the two big things I think in that. And, you know, I think it, I didn't feel safe in my relationship. I was in a very similar situation with you, Melissa, where, I started to like wonder, I was like, I I don't want to have sex. I like don't really feel turned on. I feel like I'm doing it to get the job done. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I was abandoning myself over and over and over again. And I just needed to perform and to please him. And when I took, not everyone has to take a year, but when I just started to explore my body and to invite him into the conversation and actually turns him on more. Like he'll ask me like, what do you want? Like, what do you desire today? What do you want today? How can we like play today? And I'm thinking like, who are you? <laughs> right? But it turns him on so much to get me turned on, you know? And I think that that's so important is, you know, men are quick, right? They're, they're in and out. They can like get a the job done. And as women, we're very sensual. We're very energetic. We like to be touched. We like to be teased. We like, you know, we'd like it to be different, right? Every experience to be a little bit different, not do the same thing over and over again. So how can you invite that into the bedroom and what self-exploration do you actually have to start to go on mm-hmm. to really explore? And then there's always the I'll just note this because this tends to be a big thing is as women, we have this this expectation to orgasm. And I think we have to release that. I think orgasm comes in so many different ways. And sometimes it's, you know, the really big um, orgasm. And sometimes it's just like the connection piece and just being like there, like intercourse for us doesn't always end in penetration sometimes it's playing in other ways, right? Sometimes it's me touching myself and him touching himself and like it goes, we're going deeper, but (laughs) right. It's just like, it gets to be playful in other ways and it doesn't always have to end the way that you're expecting it to end. And I think that that's, what's really beautiful is kind of releasing the standards of what it's supposed to look like and just connecting back into what actually feels good to me in this moment and what doesn't feel good to me. That's so interesting. I've had these experiences where I feel like I could just have sex for hours, but I'm not going to orgasm, but it just feels really good. And it's like there, but, and it gets frustrating. I'm like, I'm frustrated because I want to experience the release. And so like, even in that moment, I'm like, how do I, like, there's a sense of control there, right? If I'm feeling frustrated and it's the, it's frustration, not because of my partner, it's frustration with myself that like, why can I not get myself to this place, even though this feels really good and I could just do this all day and it feels awesome. Like maybe that's no... what the experience is supposed to be. Exactly. The yeah. continuum of this feels really good. And yeah. there's no, like, I mean, that's, 
I think that's where like the porn industry and like Hollywood has gotten it so wrong is we've just like witnessed women like um I'll never like what a woman wants that movie that was like ingrained in my head like the train scene they were in a apartment and like the train was going by and she was like screaming at the top of her lungs and I'm like yeah that happens sometimes but that's not every time and like we also have to take account we're cyclic by nature as women and every like within the 28 days we can desire we literally desire something different every day literally Mm -hmm. and that's okay and sometimes it's just the continuum of pleasure this feels really good I feel really connected to my partner and there's no outcome when we both feel like it's time to stop it'll stop and that was like wow that was a heart that was a heart orgasm like that was like heart opening and so expansive for me and I just I feel so connected to him right now. And this is so beautiful and I feel safe with him. Mm. And this is actually what my body needed. Mm. So I had this conversation with someone recently. We were on like a FaceTime date. We never actually met in person and we were talking about sex and intimacy. And, you know, he was expressing that it's really important to him. He's a very sexual person. Like that's something that's really and he, he shared this story with me that he had been on a date with a woman and she was like, they were flirting and they were kind of hot and heavy. And she said to him, if I didn't like you so much, I would invite you in, but I like you. So I don't want to have sex with you yet. And he was confused by that. And he immediately was like, well, that's a red flag, like whatever. And so we ended up having this conversation and I, and I, and I'm curious your thoughts on this. So for, for women, I'm, I'm wondering if this is something that comes up a lot in your practice. And this was kind of the way that I, I tried to rationalize it for him. I said, if I am dating someone and I immediately put them into the casual container, I can have casual sex. That is a physical experience. It feels good. It's fun. It's playful, but because there's no risk of rejection, I'm not I'm like, I'm not afraid of being rejected, but also I'm not truly opening myself up to this person on a really deep level. So it's kind of like surface level sex versus if it's someone that I really like, there's a fear of rejection and there's a fear of opening. And so the ability for me to feel rejection on a deeper level is heightened. So therefore my fear around sex is greater because I'm afraid to open my heart. I'm afraid to be more open. And the, the, the layers of insecurity can be heightened because I care about this person. Do you understand what I'm saying? So like, can you talk a little bit about kind of maybe that disassociation between like sex and intimacy and how that kind of like plays out maybe in the dating world or in relationships and where, how we can kind of tap in a little bit deeper into that. Yeah, I think it's really interesting that as women, we do that. We like hold ourselves back um, for fear of abandonment, rejection, all the things like just not feeling worthy, all of it. And I mean, I would be curious to ask the girl, like if you liked him so much, why did you feel so unsafe to actually 
have sex with him and be intimate with him? And what were you waiting for? Because men are very linear. So in the dating world, like we have to understand that, that, you know, men tend to decide within a moment whether or not we are relationship material or dating material or one night stands or whatever that is, right? And as women, we tend to get in our heads instead of leading with our body. And it sounds like she didn't trust herself in that situation to allow herself to be in the experience and in the turn on. Um, and I also feel like she probably listened to a lot of bad dating <laughs> <laughs> um, because you're stopping yourself, right? You're stop in, in fear of something bad happening because you don't trust yourself enough to hold yourself through the experience mm-hmm. and the after. And I think that that's what happens is, you know, we're terrified to let ourselves be vulnerable as women. And it doesn't just happen in dating. It happens in friendships that happens, you know, in other relationships where we just, we put the armor back on, Yeah, you know? So yeah, I, you know, I think it's one of those things where I'm not a big fan of hookup culture. I think it's, uh, I think it can create a level of disempowerment in women. And what I've seen with like a lot of girlfriends who are dating is there's instant gratification and instant validation and like the one night stands and hookup culture and just all of it. And I kind of like explored it when I wasn't with Justin and like experiencing that. And I noticed myself just feeling kind of like, depleted at the end of it like I just was like this feels exhausting to me and I desire something I want something and I'm not receiving it I receive it in the moment right I receive connection in the moment I receive validation in the moment I have someone that's really turned on by me but this isn't like when it's all said and done I feel empty Mm, yeah so I had to allow myself to explore what is the emptiness there what is it that I actually desire to receive? Right. And again, that's like where the self-exploration goes in of like, what is that for you? Right. It has nothing to do with the man that you are deciding you should or should not have sex with. Right. (laughs) Because there could have been a beautiful connection there. There could have been if they, because then the man, what's fascinating is he shut down. He was open with her, which is what we desire as women is for our men to be open with us not to be overly feminine, but just to be open and to be, you know, expressive with us on some level, but she shut down. Therefore he shut down and he's like, Oh, that's red flag. Right. Yeah. And then she's probably like, well, why didn't he call me? Why didn't he text me? And it's like, cause you shut yourself down. Right. He saw you close yourself off. And as true feminine essence beings, we're open, right? We, we open ourselves up and there's a trusting aspect of, I trust, not a trust so much of like someone else, but it's like a trust within myself is I trust my body enough to guide me in every single experience. Mm. And when she says it's a no, I know it's a no, but if she says it's a yes, I trust that experience to happen and to unfold. Yeah. And it sounds like, yeah, in that conversation, she wasn't, um, trusting enough of her discernment to say whether or not he gets keys to the castle, 
Right. And I think that, I mean, I'm in the dating world right now too, and I can feel the difference between um, intimacy and sex. Like they're two very different things. Right. And it's, it's, but it goes back to what you were saying before, like sex without intimacy, it feels armored to me. Like for me personally, it's like, it's just sex for the sake of feeling pleasure, but it's not real pleasure because it's armored because I'm not really letting you in. Like we're having a physical experience and it's fun and it's playful. And I give myself permission to experience that fun and playfulness, but it's not the true deep connection. Like, because I know with this person that there's no future, like it's just more of a friends with benefits or, you know, a casual thing. It's in the casual category. I will never open my heart to that person and the intimacy, like it will always be kind of surface level, which as I'm talking about it with you feels armored. Right. So like, what would it, because you're still guarded. Right. And like you said, it's like even that pleasure surface level. And it's like the play and the pleasure with intimacy included is so much more orgasmic. Like it's so, it's sad. Like it's so satisfying for your nervous system. Like, and, and I think that that's where the discernment comes into play is like, it's a quick fix, right? Yes. It's like, okay, we'll have sex in the moment. Like, you know, we're playing around, we're fooling around, but it's still a quick fix, you know? And I've had to challenge clients to not have sex. I have one client right now. I think she's on like month three or four of no sex because it was a lot of this. It was like instant. And I mean, she literally will be like, Lauren, I feel like I know my body. (laughs) So, and she's at the same time, she is no longer allowing low worth men to enter into her yoni. Mm. I think that that's something that we have to be discerning about because our yoni is an energetic pathway Mm. to our creative power and our feminine power. And I'm somewhat hesitant to just allow anyone in there. Yes. And, you know, some, some people will say, I had one mentor who said, um, that our yoni holds up to seven years worth of anyone that's been inside of us. <laughs> Let's talk about this. Cause we, this was the, one of the other points I wanted to talk about was, you know, the power of the yoni. And you said, I think something about seven generations, or maybe it was seven years of partners. So let's talk about the power of the yoni and you know, that let's go into that for. Okay. So the yoni is, you know, physically it's, the vulva, the vagina hole, the anus, the perineum, it's the whole space. <laughs> like your, yeah. Pleasure this, center. Exactly. And um, the yoni is also the inner yoni is, you know, your yoni walls and then also your cervix. And um there's the physical aspect and what a lot of clients and a lot of women feel is, you know, the pain associated or the pleasure associated to it. Right. Um, or the numbness, like numbness is so big. I think numbness is like an epidemic right now. Like it, women feeling numb in sex is so present. Yeah. It um, just feels like clinical. There have definitely been, I've had experiences. I'm like, 
Yeah. It's like I'm at the gynecologist. Like I don't feel anything like this just feels like nothing. Can we just be done with this? Yeah. And a lot of that is like us escaping the body. Disassociating, right? like yeah. yeah. Like we didn't feel safe. Therefore we left the body. Yeah. Right. So it, we, we do it again, um, in sexual intercourse and in intimacy. Um, like we'll even do it if you have a partner or even with yourself, here's a little like challenge, like look your partner in the eyes and see where you want to go. Like gaze um, or look yourself in the eyes in the mirror and see where you want to go <laughs> and try to keep yourself present in that. It kind of helps you gauge how intimate you're allowing yourself to be. And when you um, say where you want to go, you mean mentally, like where your thoughts go. Yeah, like where you go. Like, yeah. do you look up? Do you just like disconnect? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so the yoni holds, you know, the physical aspect, right? We bleed out of the yoni. We birth babies out of the yoni, like it's holy land for, <laughs> for the woman. Um, and it also holds um, energetic code. So our fascia matrix is where the physical aspects, the fibers of the yoni meet the energetic field. And that's what we're talking about when we're talking about holding seven generations worth of trauma um, and then also where this comes from around seven years of past partners that get stored and the dearmoring work helps us release a lot of that, but a lot of us are holding on to it. So, you know, we can kind of gauge this again. Do you contract? Do you like squeeze everything in? What's your flexibility when it comes to your hips and your rotations? Like there's, have you danced? I have a, all my clients, like we we're moving on sessions and we're breathing and we can always tell by the movement of the body, like what's actually happening, right? <laughs> exactly. Like, are you stiff? Are you like a robot? Or, yeah. um, it's so funny. Cause when I started like really going into this work, I was like, oh, I am Cuban. I do know how to do <laughs> I'm like, it's don't lie. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, But yeah, that's what we're holding on to. So, you know, the, the yoni work and the womb work goes really, really hand in hand because the womb and the yoni kind of like simultaneously dance together and their energetic field. So we see a lot of women who have this armor within the yoni also have like PCOS and um, endometriosis and, you know, infertility issues or really, really like hard bleeds and like all of these things, right? So there's physical manifestations of this disconnect that we have with our own bodies and the most sacred parts of our bodies. And there's a huge lack of trust with this area, right? And there's so many reasons for that. Again, it's the lack of trust, us being abused. It's going back to all of those reasons why we've armored ourselves. Um, so yeah, it's kind of a short answer, but that's the work there is like, we're releasing these codes of our mothers and our grandmothers. And it's really fascinating because women will start to remember their ancestors. And that's what was really cool for me is my mother's a Cuban immigrant. And I started to remember aspects of Cuba and just, you know, I would have grandmothers and great grandmothers come to me and aunts and, you know, these women that I don't even speak the native tongue, but they would come to me in like dreams and 
guide me on this journey and on this path. So it's like this reclaiming of what was always ours, but what was taken from us. Mm. Um, And I think that, I don't think, I believe that when we reclaim our pleasure and we reclaim our connection with our womb and our yoni, we're reclaiming who we've always been designed to be and like we're reclaiming our power. Mm. Um, And we no longer, it's so interesting because our yoni is so connected to our throat and the cervix specifically, there's a lot of wounding that we see in the cervix and the cervical gateway. And the cervix is kind of like energetically, it's our pathway into the cosmos because when we enter into the womb space, it's a void until there's a baby in there, right? It's a void until we're actually, you know, ready to birth or create life. But um, it takes us into like this really beautiful, like, energetic cosmic essence of all the things that get to be all of the possibilities so what I see a lot with women especially like in the manifestation world is they're trying to like third eye or like think their way or you know man like it's so like even like manifestation practices are so mental and what I see is when women reconnect to you know the cervix and the womb and the yoni gates it's almost as though life begins to unfold in like this really effortless way. And we're so connected to what we truly desire, not what outside forces are telling us to desire that like our life just becomes like this beautiful dance of possibility. Um, But we do have to enter into the void and the void is very uncomfortable. (laughs) It's very like, uh, I don't want to be there. Um, but what I was going to say with the cervix and the throats, they mirror each other. Um, so a lot of women, that, that might be how it shows up is there's a lack of voice. There's a lack of ability to speak your truth and to speak your desires, especially in the bedroom. And I remember um, right before I left Justin, we were actually naked in the shower when we broke up and he was wanting to have sex with me. And um, I just like stopped him and he's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, I feel like I can't speak right now, but I have to like speak. And I'm like, I like, I remember I like sweating and just being like, what the fuck am I about to do? Because I knew the moment I said I couldn't go back and I shared it with him. I was just like, I don't think that we can do this anymore. Like I can't be with you anymore. And um, it was like my throat just opened. So we do see that a lot. Like as we begin to explore the yoni gates is like the throat opens and we're just like, oh, fuck, here we go. (laughs) And like so many women, they'll start to sing again. Like I started to sing again and just like express myself. And I don't know. It's really beautiful. Mm. It sounds like magic, right? It really does. And magic. It's our magic. Mm. I always suggest this book, Mary, especially those who have like Christian or Catholic backgrounds. I was, I went to Catholic school for 13 years and was raised Catholic. Um, And the story of Mary, Mary Magdalene was probably one of the most healing stories. So I always suggest the manuscripts of Mary Magdalene and it explains the sex alchemy and her relationship with Jesus and just the power, like our power as women is our sexuality. And it is literally, there's a, been a war. It's not like new, <laughs> it's not a new war. There's been a war on our sexuality and our co-creative power because 
the patriarchy, I think, has always known how powerful we are when mm. we step into this. Um, and I think right now with like a lot of things happening in the world, this is the work more than anything, like knowing our bodies, knowing our womb, knowing our cyclic patterns, knowing what we desire and just being able to speak that is what's going to you know shift it. Maybe not immediately in our lifetime, although I do think women have such a beautiful gift of collapsing timelines, but definitely like for your niece and for Elliot and just, you know, the generations to come you know, Hmm. there's, there's something that you said earlier about like seven years of, of like exes or people that you've brought into your energy field. And I feel that weight, like I've felt that before, um, through doing breath work, I was in a breath work experience. So it was the summer of 2020. It was right after my divorce, maybe six months after. And I went to Sedona with the intention of healing my relationship with my body and healing my relationship with my sexuality and more so healing my relationship with the divine masculine, because I had had a lot of um, disassociation from my womb and from my yoni and from my power as everything that everything that you're saying. And so in this breathwork exercise, I realized that all of the shame and the trauma and the guilt and the icky, heavy feeling that I had been carrying around sex and my body wasn't mine. I was actually carrying the residual energy of all the men that I had been with from day one. And it was really powerful to recognize the cleansing. Like, I don't have to carry this. Like there's this idea. I think a lot of women, I know myself included, feel this way about like this responsibility to carry the burdens of others and to want to fix things. And that was a big issue in my marriage of like, if I'm not um, helpful, what is my worth? Right. Mm -hmm. And this was kind of like the backdrop for me and all of my sexual experiences of like, let me prove my worth. Let me show, let me please you. I didn't know that it was, okay for me to make my pleasure a priority in a sexual experience with a partner. I always thought that it had to be like, my pleasure didn't matter. And let me like prove to you that I am good enough that I'm, you know, that you can choose me. Right. So all of this like had been like, um, going on in the background and I did this really powerful, um, release exercise. I wrote letters to every man I'd been with. I burned them with love. I released, you know, the, the contracts that we had. And then I bought a rose quartz Yoni wand and began the the process of like self-love and self-exploration. So those were some of the things that, that I did to kind of heal. I like reclaimed my virginity and I was like, I'm taking this back and I take back my power and all that. So those were some of the things that that I did to um, kind of, you know, rid myself of, of the energies that I had been carrying around. So I think it's so um, like what you're saying that this opening and going into the void and like really looking at these things is, it is really scary for women that are high performing and they have all this stuff going on. Cause like most women don't have the luxury of sitting in meditation for three hours and crying and throwing a temper tantrum and then pleasuring themselves, right? Like most women don't have that luxury or some of them do. Right. So all of that to say for women that are maybe 
wanting to explore their relationship to their womb, their relationships to their sexuality, um, their relationships to their yoni. You touched on a couple of things, like you talked about, you know, the the eye gazing and working with the breast and all that. But what would be some other techniques or things that women can do to maybe release some of the energy that they're carrying and start to create that relationship with themselves? Yeah. Um... Ooh, this is so good. And I, I'm seeing you. I think it's so interesting because we went through, you went through a divorce and I went through a breakup around the same time. And I had, so I was actually with Michaela in Sedona like right after. And I just like had the most liberating experience. You know, it was Sedona. Oh my gosh. Magic. The mother lives in Sedona. It's really like, oh, I, sometimes I just bring myself back there <laughs> energetically. Um, but it's very similar, just like this reclaiming of my power. And I have to note this because I think that this might be liberating for some women. Um, virginity is a construct and it's not something that we have or lose. And for me, that was something like being raised Catholic, that was something that was so liberating for me because mm. there's a lot of shame around losing my virginity. Um, but it was just like a piece that spoke to me because again, it's like that patriarchal structure of, of another level of shame for women mm -hmm. that we hold on to. And there's nothing that says that we lose anything when we have sexual intercourse with someone for the first time. Mm. Nothing's lost. So good. Um, so practices. I'm a big fan of Yoni ones. And also, I think that it's another way to disassociate when we haven't yet given ourselves the space to connect into the yoni and to explore with our fingers. So I'm a big, and I have a lot of my clients at first, just start with the fingers, exploring in that way. I'm a mother, I am a business owner, I'm a partner, <laughs> I'm all these things. I wish I could give myself three hours sometimes in a week to commit to a <laughs> pleasure practice, but it's just not a reality. <laughs> um, so one thing that I have always done is, and when I started this, I was breastfeeding and um, I was a new mom and I was, you know, starting my company and I had showers. Like literally all I had was like 10 minutes in the shower. And I just started giving myself permission in the shower to, you know, dry brush, lather myself in coconut oil, like just let myself have an experience, play music and just touch my body. Mm. And it was just so simple, like so simplistic. Um, and then slowly I started to do, you know, naked mirror work and yoni gazing with the mirror and just connecting to my yoni in that way where I have a little hand mirror and I just like look down there and I'm like hey how are you you're amazing yeah <laughs> and you know it's such a beautiful practice because you get to see her so many of us like we don't even like see our like yonis I remember after birth my midwife was um, I had a birth at a hospital. My midwife 
was like, have you looked down there yet? And I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, so that was healing, like healing from childbirth, I think is in, like another level. And that's something else that we do with a lot of like this yoni work is healing um, from a lot of the trauma that comes. I mean, birth within itself is a trauma on the body. Um, but I, I just like to make the practices, like I might have like one or two days out of the month that it's like an all out practice where, you know, I set the candles, I, you know, have my oils, I have my wand, I have my fingers, I like can go into the whole thing, mm. but it's just not a reality. So I just set the intention every single day that I find a way to connect to my body mm. and to move my body. And that pleasure is always top priority because it makes me a better mom. It makes me a better partner. It keeps me in my body for client sessions so I can hold the space for this work. And sometimes it's just a 10 minute breast massage. It's the yoni gazing. It's the touching her, like just cupping the yoni and just being like, again, checking in and just being listening to her pulses or feeling her pulses and like noticing like what are her yeses and her nos. Mm. A lot of my decision-making in business is based on her yeses and nos. And um, yeah, it's just simple. And then I would say the other thing that's coming through is learn your cycle, learn your bleed. Your bleed is a ritual, not just when you're physically bleeding, but the whole 25 to 30 days, your womb and your yoni are speaking to you. Mm. And it's so important for us to tune in and to listen to that and to create ritual around that. So yeah, that's... It's really beautiful. (laughs) Well, yes. I mean, yes. (laughs) And what I'm receiving from this is that it's not always about masturbation, right? We think of pleasure as just masturbation, but even the, the experience that you, the visual that you created with the shower of like the dry brushing and the oil, it's about reverence. What Mm -hmm. I'm receiving, it's about honoring and and a devotion, like being devoted to your own feminine queendom and how that can be expressed in different ways. And um, it could be the way you style your hair that day or the clothes that you put on or the music that you listen to. So there's, it sounds like there's little ways that you weave in this pleasure experience. And I'm sure a lot of it starts with just being present in the experience and not rushing through the day, but taking that moment, even if it's for 30 seconds, just to pause and like, breathe, you know, and like feel into your body. So I love that because I think for a lot of women and myself included, the first place my mind goes is like masturbation, but like you didn't even women. Yeah. Masturbation isn't like the next step, right? For a lot of women, it's just simply learning how to connect to the body and feel safe at the body. And that's a lot of like the premise of what I guide my clients through is what does safety actually feel like in the body mm. and where is your, it, it's a devotional practice to self. And sometimes it can lead to orgasm and other times it's just, and there's the release of expectations. Then when we're intimate with partners is it's just purely for my enjoyment. It's just mm. purely for what is feeling alive and what's anchoring me even more into my body. Mm. Right. 
Mm-hmm. I'm getting a visual of just like eating one square of like really amazing chocolate and just letting it like melt in your mouth and you taste all the flavors as opposed to like shoving the whole bar in, right? You just have that one piece and you're just like there in that moment. Like that's kind of visual. <laughs> so like- funny. I have, uh, I have like this dark, I get it every time I go to Whole Foods. <laughs> It's like a dark chocolate, but there's like raspberry in it. Mm. And it's like a $7 bar of chocolate, but it's so delicious. And it's healthy. And I have it after every lunch, like midday. It's just my, and I just savor it. And it's so, like, it just drops me into my body. Mm. And it's, uh, it's so good. Um, Yeah, I, I don't think it has to be. And, you know, as a mom, I think it's really important to speak to this because a lot of pleasure coaches that I see online, first of all, my body is a bit bigger (laughs) than most pleasure coaches. Um, I've had a baby. I have stretch marks. I have big Cuban hips, no boobs, but that's okay. (laughs) But, you know, I used to get so in my head for such a long time and I actually had a big release last month with this. I did, um, some psychedelics and like it was this big release around like I have to look a certain way to do this work and to be an authority in this space and um I've had to heal so much of it I mean I like bleached my hair blonde for so long to like look the parts and um what I've just been really stepping into is like we get to create our own way and it doesn't have to look anyway we don't have to look a certain way like we just get to be in our bodies and so whole with that. Um, but, but another piece to that, this is like where I was going before I went into the body space. There's so much to dive into. Um, but I was going to say, you know, a lot of the sex coaches and pleasure coaches, they don't really have babies, at least what I see, or they don't have children and there's so much more time freedom with that. So if you're a mom and you're like, where am I going to create this space? just give yourself like two to five minutes every single day and know that that's enough and release yourself from the expectation that it's like, I mean, sometimes I see these pleasure coaches. I'm like, you are just in like a lace bra and panties all day. (laughs) That is not a reality. (laughs) Like I was responding to a client yesterday and Elliot, like we were outside playing and she poured water all over me. And I was just like, this is, this is life. And it doesn't dismiss any aspect of who I am, you know? So I don't know. I feel like with moms, I have such a like special place in my heart because it's society has taught us and conditioned us that as mothers, we have to lose ourselves And it's really one of my passions and my mission is to help mothers see like we we don't like I reclaimed my body after birth. Mm. I became more of who I was always meant to be designed to be through this work. And it was not three hours of pleasure practices. (laughs) Yeah. You talked a lot about motherhood. And one of the things that you referenced in the very beginning was that a lot of women who start doing this work, start healing mother wounds. So can you talk a little bit about that um, to kind of like close this off? Cause you did bring that up. And I know that you talked about kind of like your mom and then your daughter and generationally, like how this is impacting all of these different generations. So can you share a little bit about the mother wound and how that plays out in pleasure? 
Yeah. So the mother wound's really, really interesting because we learn safety and nurturance from our mothers. Um, and, you know, I think especially if you're raised in the West, we don't support mothers, you know, there's not a tribe. Um, so a lot of mothers feel torn between who they desire to be and who they feel as though they're supposed to be. Um, and we don't support mothers to honor like their authenticity and to honor their pleasure. Um, so the mother wounding is, you know, the wounding around relationships, especially with other women. We see that a lot is like the sister wounding also tends to get healed alongside the mother wounding because we learn relationships from our mothers. I mean, our first relationship is with our mother. Um, and then we witness, we're watching, our, especially as little girls, like we're watching our mother every step of the way. We're watching the way she looks at herself in the mirror. We're watching the way that she eats. We're watching, you know, the way that she speaks to herself. Like we're witnessing all of it. And whether we can consciously understand what is happening with our mothers, we're internalizing a lot of pieces of it. So, mm. you know, a lot of what I see when healing the mother wound is... Um, emotional abandonment with women where their emotional needs weren't always met. So there's like a level of physical needs being met. Um, but there's a, there's an emotional dismissal of needs, right? So for me, I was told a lot, Oh, Lauren, you're so strong. You can just handle it. Don't be so emotional. Like you got this. And then I witnessed my mother, you know, who was constantly yo-yo dieting, constantly saying she needed to lose weight. Um, my mom worked in the corporate world. So she was like hustling. Like I, I give it to her. I mean, she was the breadwinner in our family and she worked her way to a point where she ended up in the hospital and severely ill and almost died. And, um, I, I think a lot of women can relate to that in so many ways where we've just witnessed our mother self-sacrifice and lose themselves, whether it's losing themselves in their marriage, losing themselves in motherhood, losing themselves in their career. And it's almost as though like our mothers are no longer our nurturance. Our mothers are our biggest triggers. They tend to be like our biggest annoyance. They tend to be the person that we actually want to like receive validation from. But when we go on this healing journey, we tend to trigger our mothers a lot because we start to step into our power. And then, I mean, it's this whole web of just this lack of self-connection, you know, so the mother wound shows up in literally everything. It shows up <laughs> in our money stories, like truly our money stories, our relationships, our sisterhoods, you know, if we're in business, it's showing up in whether or not like, we're competing to achieve, like competing with other people in the industry, if we're like at ease, you know, kind of like our relationship or just like, yeah, like we got magic to share and we're doing it. Right. So like, there's so many aspects in which the mother wound shows up. Um, but I think the biggest thing is what we're healing right now in this paradigm is we're healing the storyline that the mother has to lose herself mm. because I feel, you know, really turned on as a mom. 
And I think Elliot picks up on it. And I feel really free most of the time as a mom. I have a lot of support and I'm very fortunate. I mean, I have my parents close by and Justin's an amazing dad. So I have like a lot of support and I I feel really fortunate, but I do work with a lot of mothers who there's just like no self-identity and they're just like shells of people and their whole lives revolve around their children, Mm -hmm. which is beautiful. And also that's very exhausting, (laughs) like so exhausting. Um, And also it's really interesting because when we step into divine feminine work, we realize that we can have both. And so take, for example, this past weekend, Elliot was having multiple meltdowns, like just in three-year-old meltdowns. And I told Justin on the fourth, I was like, I think I just need to have a day with her by myself. So I'm going to rearrange my schedule and just have a day with her by myself. And I did, I was like, we're going to have a mommy baby day. And it was just going to be me and you. And we didn't do anything big. We just, you know, played and hung out and her whole energy shifted. Mm-hmm. So I think like when we're more in tune with our needs as mothers, we can also attune ourselves to what our children actually need instead of trying to like overcompensate. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's such a powerful um, visual what you just gave with with Elliot and how she was feeling because at three, she doesn't have the words to explain how she's feeling. But because you're so in tune with your own energy and your body and your needs, you were able to kind of pick up on what she was communicating without being able to communicate it through through words. And it sounds like she was probably feeling like overstimulated and trying to please everybody else and like was having an experience of like, I just need space. Like I just need, you know, uh, to breathe a little bit. And like, how many times do we as adults have inner temper tantrums, but we force ourselves to do the things that we don't want to do. And that's not a pleasurable experience. Right. But we feel like we have to do it because of people pleasing or, or whatever. Yeah, we learn people pleasing from the mother wound. Like we learn just so many aspects of it goes back to like it in intimacy and sex. It like it, it goes back to we self-abandon. We learn how to abandon ourselves a lot of times through what we've witnessed with our mothers. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just something like I when I stepped into motherhood, I did not know how it would look. Mm-hmm. But that was a non-negotiable for me that I would be a present mother, but I would not abandon myself as a mother. Mm-hmm. And every everything that I create is with that intention. I mean, my whole company is scaling and being created right now so that I can homeschool her and have her, <laughs> you know, and I think that that's important too, is like our children more than anything need connection. And for the first seven years they need connection with mom more than anything and again it's unfortunate because the system is just not set up to make moms feel as though though they can thrive in that you right. know right um, but that was like the whole purpose <laughs> that's why I went to that retreat of, that we met at is so I was just like okay I have this baby and also I don't want to go work a job I just want to yeah you know, be home with her. And also I still have a purpose and passion and I want to learn how to fulfill both. And it's not perfect. I mean, I have really hard days sometimes as a mom and usually around luteal phase, like my energy just, and I know that because of this work, I'm like, oh yeah, that's what that is. Right. (laughs) Um, But I just, I, I don't know. I'm like so grateful 
because I've trusted myself enough to actually create this life, you know? And um, I hope like my, my vision is, is that I can help as many women and as many mothers do the same thing where their pleasure isn't sacrificed in order to please everyone else around them. Mm. Mm. I feel like we could do a whole podcast just on like motherhood pleasure, like in and of itself, (laughs) which is like incredible. I'm not, I, I don't experience that in my life, but I see it through the lens of so many other women. So Okay. So for those women that are like, okay, I need more of you in my life. Like where do they get into your communities, your programs? Like how do they get more access to you? Um, so the best way to connect with me is Instagram at the dot pleasure dot priestess. Um, and my one-on-one space is closing. I have one space open for September and then it's going to go on a wait list. Um, And I have a program kind of stirring right now. That's more of like a group support for some of this deep inner work. Um, Just not one-on-one, but what I've also found in a lot of my containers is women heal in sisterhood more than anything. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, that's going to be launching actually in September as well. And then I'm not sure when this is coming out, but I do have um, a mastermind launching next week called sacred authority mastermind. And that's for women in business who are wanting to learn how to lead a pleasure-based business, um, and magnetize clients. I mean, kind of like (laughs) the message you sent me is I receive that all the time and I've received, it's why I'm about to go on a wait list. I mean, I went 2021, I'm just going to be totally honest. I went from not being able to sign a single client to having like women consistently reach out to work with me. And a part of it was the strategy and learning the strategy that works best for me. But a bigger part of that was this work and anchoring into my truth. So yeah, I also have a beautiful membership called De-Armored. And that's kind of like a taste. It's like a a step into the water um, and we have monthly circles and bi-monthly workshops and there's a boxer chat so you can still get that sisterhood so there's a I'm an MG Gemini there's so many offers I love this yes yes <laughs> so, so find me on Instagram send me a DM let me know that you listen to this and that you're curious and then whatever's alive for me in my world I'll share with you yeah mm, it's so juicy and I like I said your content just always zings me which I'm like I know at some point we'll work together you know when the timing is right so guys if you want more Lauren in your life please give her a follow I love the photo shoot that you did recently and again your embodiment of the feminine is just it's like it inspires me on a, on a lot of levels so um okay last question what are you celebrating right now Oh, okay. So business celebration, uh, June was another, um, I've had consistent five figure months, but June was another multiple five figure month. Um, yeah, business feels really good right now. I think that that in general is a really big celebration. I have like a team that's super supportive. They see my vision and, I had a lot of like trial and error with teams. So that was beautiful. Um, Celebration. Justin and I are 
planning to make a big move out of state. Um, so that's exciting. And, you know, I just, I like really like my life <laughs> right now. I don't know. It's just, it feels really, really good. And it just feels like for the first time, I mean, I, I know I've said this so many times, but truly I was fighting so hard to make everything work. And when I truly learned how to surrender and connect to my body, it's like all these pieces just started to pull together. So um, life just feels like really, really good right now. And it wasn't always that way. So I feel healthy. Booty's growing. Pussy's turned on. Yeah. <laughs> counts and looking nice. All the things. I love it. That's a lot to celebrate. And it's a beautiful yeah. thing. Well, I'm celebrating you. Thank you for your magic and your light and your presence in this world. It's truly a gift to so many, myself included. And if you guys love this episode, it's going to be for sure one of my favorites by far. Make sure that you share it with another woman or a friend or someone that you think would love it. Give Lauren a follow on social. And until the next episode, live your boldly courageous life. Bye, Bye. Thank you. Thank you so much for living your boldly courageous life with me today. I am beyond grateful for you and this amazing community we are building together. It's truly my mission to get this message out into the world and empower others to step fully into the life they've always dreamed of. I would be so incredibly grateful if you would join me in this mission by sharing this episode with your friends and heading over to iTunes to leave me a five-star review. And until the next episode, remember to live your boldly courageous life.